Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am sitting here with Laura Gisborne. How are you, Laura? Good, Angela. Thanks for the invitation. It's nice to meet you. My pleasure. So Laura Gisborne is a highly successful business growth strategist. She has owned nine businesses over the last 30 years, ranging from small retail operations to a multi-million dollar wine and real estate empire. Her company, Limitless Women, exemplifies that companies companies can be both profitable and purposeful and has donated over $700,000 to charities globally. Yay. I'm so excited to talk to you. That's amazing. So I, gosh, where do we get started? Nine businesses. That's amazing. Did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? No, I had no intention of being an entrepreneur. Really? Whatsoever, right. I was feeling like <laughs> I had my plan and then God had a different plan for my life, right? And yeah. just kind of like one thing led to another. And so it sounds like you've had several businesses yourself. I was reading up on you, your yeah. bio and the show and things like that. So I don't know if it worked like this for you, Angela, but in our world, in my world, at least, it's, it seems like one business kind of gave birth to the next business, kind of led yeah. into the next thing and so on and so forth. So uh, part of what I'm working on now is a, is a book about walking in faith and just really taking those steps that they show up in these opportunities. And yeah. Wow. Like this one. I love that. I love that so much. So you, you say your, your first business led into more. So how did the first business come about? Um, the first business was already up. So I don't really okay. get, I, I can get credit for that other than I was there. Um, and it was there for a while. Um, I married into a family business into a uh-huh. restaurant called Medieval Inn that was in Dallas, Texas. And um Everybody in the family works there, right? So okay. my my husband, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, everybody was there, you know, and yeah. we, we were all there like seven days a week. It was a very interesting time. And what I knew uh, in that business, because uh, we all wore a lot of different hats, but what I knew in that business mm-hmm. is that it wasn't scalable when I wanted to be a mama. You know, if mm. I wanted to be a mother, I was going to need to make some decisions. And so um, my husband and I decided to sell our ownership there and move into opening up our next restaurant, which would allow us to have freedom to be with our children, right? So when we yeah. have our son and, you know, he wasn't just sitting with us at work in the, you know, in the restaurant at 10 o'clock at night, we decided to move to more of a lunch style cafe and open a catering company. And then that business needed another location and you know, and then one day it was like, oh, let's do something different and moved wow. on to the next one and the next one. I won't give you all. all yeah, yeah. That went from restaurants to real estate that went to, you know, owning a winery and a clothing store and a tanning salon and now a leadership company. So there wow. you go. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so I love that you saw the vision of how to create scalable companies, right? Because Mm. that's the hardest part is so many people get into business and they have their one business, right? And they think, okay, I love what I do. I'm going to start a business because I want to work for myself, but then they get stuck, right? They get Mm. stuck at revenue because when you're a solopreneur or you, you are just, you know, running a small family owned business, you're limited to you, right? And so scaling is hard. And so if your business is a restaurant and you don't really have any 
vision to go beyond that restaurant or you don't have any plans to go beyond that because it's just comfortable enough to support your family, then you hit a ceiling. And so sometimes it takes fresh perspective or a life change or a need to pivot is when you start figuring out scale. Yeah, I think, you know, I was very young at the time. I was in my early 20s and and someone, you know, somebody would say, what do you do? Or you know, uh-huh. meet somebody out in the world, I would say, I'm a waitress or I'm a dishwasher or I'm a cashier. You know, you would really wear whatever hat you, there was to wear. Uh-huh. And I see how that translates. If you can fast forward here more than 30 years, actually, because I'm 57 now. Um, do you see how you can that translate to what keeps women from scaling their businesses today. Mm-hmm. They're wearing all the different hats in their business, right? They're being the web designer, I'm being the marketing person, I'm being the copywriter, I'm being the speaker, I'm being the salesperson, I'm being the client fulfillment person, right? You know, just in a service-based business, you've got to learn to surround yourself with really great people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can say that we've been really blessed because over the years, um, what I've learned is that I love to create businesses. I love the creative process. Um, and I don't love to do operations. Yeah. That's just what I'm great at it, right? I'm not the person we want in in the store, right? We want somebody who's actually really much better customer service than I am. So, um, so, you know, sold six of my companies. And I think as I've grown and as I've learned, what I've learned is to build with the end in mind. And I think that's a very different concept then most of us, you know, as new entrepreneurs or as early entrepreneurs, we had one or two businesses, we kind of get out there with hang our shingle with our excitement to solve a problem. Right, um, right. You know, it's a little different than building with the end in mind. Yeah. And and that's one thing that any business advisor will tell you from the beginning is mm-hmm. and, and this is the <clears throat> this is the disconnect that I learned because I've owned a few businesses as well. And sure. when I first started, it was, you know, you build a business out of necessity or out of problem solving, like you just said. Yeah. Like yeah. you want to solve a problem and you say, you know what, I'm gonna take that on and you solve the problem, but you're not looking ahead to what does this mean? So my very first business. I had no idea how to operate a business. I had a psychology degree and I was like, I, I just want to, I just want to do this one thing, right? Like, and it kind of became an accidental business, but then when it was time to move on, I didn't know anything about m and I didn't know I could <laughs> sell my business. I didn't know yeah. that, you know, because it was, it was not a company that had physical assets and I didn't know that you could sell other assets like, right. you know, your brand. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I didn't know that was a thing. Right. And sure. so I just closed it up and moved it out of state and I was done. And I'm like, yeah. I left so much money on the table. Like you have no idea. But you learn as you go, right? And so now you're right. Starting a business with the end in mind is really what every business advisor will tell you. And it doesn't mean that you have to exit your business. Sometimes the end in mind is I have a family business and this generation is going to take it over at this point, but you're still working towards, you know, you're, you're creating systems so that you can turn it over in an efficient way. It's interesting because when I first started being asked to speak, I wasn't a speaker. I hadn't written any books. It wasn't yeah. anywhere in my purview when you said, like, do, did you think you would always do this? No, I thought, I think when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I yeah. took chemi- chemistry in high school and I was really bad at it. And so I thought, well, maybe I should go to law school instead because mm-hmm. I can talk and I'm smart and I can read books. So, um, yeah, so it's like, again, the trajectory of where life takes you is always fascinating if you're open and willing to listen. Yeah. Um, the idea of a business being scalable and sellable, I think, is interesting for women in a different perspective than I see with men, because we get a little bit emotionally attached to our businesses, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we just we, we, we feel like it's there's just something in us being divinely created, you know, through mm-hmm. our expression and to be able to have 
good boundaries and good team development. I also think that women are amazing leaders. Yes. I think that we have a natural innate ability to um, tend and befriend. And when we have clear directives and great healthy boundaries, um, we can really lead. I had a great conversation. You know, everything that we do in our world is philanthropy first. And I had a great conversation with a woman uh, just a few days ago who was uh-huh. the executive director of a, a nonprofit here locally. And I was just so impressed. She's been in the organization for 28 years, but she's just moved into this role of leadership. And mm-hmm. uh, just really inspiring to see her, all of her tenets of wisdom, right? All of her experience coming together in a place, uh, you know, there's systems and processes and all the sexy stuff we can talk about, but people get inspired by who yeah. they work with. They get inspired yeah. by vision and mission. So, mm. um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I think as women, we're really good at conveying vision and mission. And mm-hmm. so we we get people to buy into what we're doing because we also treat them differently. Like we treat them, you know, we're, we're great at community building. I think that's one thing that women do better than anybody is mm-hmm. we're great at community building. And so um, another reason why I think we don't necessarily look at exit strategy is because we consider our our employees, our family, right? Exactly. Like it's, it's, they are, they are part of our family and how could I ever just give them away, you know, be like, right. away your children, you know, you're like, exactly. I can't do that. Seems a little strange. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that we become, you know, emotionally attached, like you were just saying, you become very emotionally attached to the business, to our employees, to the brand, you know, that brand is an identifier for us. Yeah. And so it becomes a little challenging when we think about exit strategy, but exit strategy doesn't have to be, I'm abandoning my business, right? We have to get out of that mindset of, you know, when you, when you sold your six businesses, I want to know how that felt and when it felt right for you to sell those businesses. Um, I think that I can, you know, there's different instances for each one, right? But I'd say initially, you know, from the gut level, it had Mm -hmm. a lot to do with, I was, I was desiring to do something else. Right. And I knew that, um, you know, if I were to go back, Angela, and do my life over, I don't know that I would have sold six companies. I might've had a different, I'm going to have a different plan because what I see is the value of this company as an example, that's grown into limitless women. This isn't how we started our brand. What I've seen is like, the depth of relationships. And there are things, there's a whole lot of stuff that I knew in my forties that I definitely did not know in my twenties or thirties. Right. So I think I've become a better leader and I've become a better partner for my clients. And so I think that that's um, an interesting thing. Um, Mostly it was a poll because I wanted to go do something else. And I had probably a little bit of my own poverty consciousness where I thought I could do this or that. Mm. I didn't understand the, you know, my capacity. And, And I usually would hold um, somewhere between three and four businesses. Right now I have two businesses. Um, so I would have multiple businesses and multiple streams of income just because mm-hmm. I've got a lot of energy and a lot of creativity. Um, and I build great teams. So my teams tend to take on the stuff that I'm not great at. You know, I think that that's one of those things. But um, yeah, it, I, I just think it's probably different for different people. It's not that I didn't love the business anymore. It's mm-hmm. that I also felt like maybe I had taken it as far as I could. Right. You know, there was the personal desire to do something else, but it was also like, um, because we're using the analogy of being a mama today, you know, raising a kid and sending them off to college. It's tough. Right. Yeah. So yeah. tough. I was talking to somebody else about yeah. that this week, a man who was talking about his wife losing her mind. And they said, you know, when my first went to college, I, my husband couldn't find me for two weeks. Like he would just find me in the bathroom. So on the floor crying. I was just mm. so devastated yes. to think about my baby living home, you know, and I have very independent adult children. They're just awesome people, but um, you know, I missed him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. And again, as women, we, we do tend to grab on and, and, you know, we, we nurture relationships. And so when you're nurturing a relationship, whether it's with a child or a business or employees or whatever that is, you, you, it feels like you're taking something away from you when, when that moves on. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. So also might be another reason why we tend to overwork right? We tend to have yeah. higher burnout rates than the men do because it's all very personal to us. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very personal. And so, um, what do you have it for advice for overworking? <laughs> self-care, yeah. learning self-care, right? I think it's this place of, um, you know, I said to you this morning, I normally take my interviews in my office. And today I came to sit down on the couch and move my stuff around to really just take care of myself. Um, just knowing that like, you know, it just, mm. My husband had a hard night last night, and so we were up quite a bit. And he's like, you know, let me just sit down. And so standing up and take care of myself so I can really give you my best. Yeah. Um, I have lots of videos and trainings on self-care, but I can tell you that I think it's really that place where there's no valor mm-hmm. in not taking care of our bodies. Our bodies mm-hmm. carry a very heavy load to carry our spirit, our essence, our mission. And, and I say that just because, you know, I, I feel like you are a similar person and you're in a business that really has a vision that actually wants to bring your message to the world. You have a mission focused business. You know, it takes a lot, it takes a lot physically to do that. So self-care is important and boundaries taking mm-hmm. time off. And really it takes a lot of faith to turn it off and recognize yeah. that it's going to be there, you know, to yeah. really say, okay, I'm not going to work on Sunday. I'm going to take that day of rest to really rejuvenate, or I'm going to put my vacations on my calendar first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to plan my family time first before I build my business. And, you know, I just see way too many women build their businesses um, as their main goal, right? Like that's their goal. It's like their, their life gets uh, put second to their business. I think that your business should be built around your life. Your life should be what you choose first and then choose when you want to take your time and your creativity to be expressed in business. And there's always enough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Self-care is one of those things that like for me, I I pre-schedule it, you know, like if I want to do like a monthly massage, I pre-schedule that so that I, I am, it's on the calendar because if it does, it's not on the calendar. If it's one of those like, oh, I should do this. I should, you know, I really need to do this. It's not going to happen. Like it it will get put back on, you know, if, if I don't, if it's a priority to me, it must be on the calendar. I live with that. I just literally live, I live, 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 live through my calendar. And it's one of the things where I just, again, I I feel like if more women would get out of to-do list Mm -hmm. and really allow themselves to receive support, because that's a huge deal. And to, you know, if there's not room in my calendar, then I have to say not now. You know, yeah. I don't, like any woman, I like to say yes, I'd rather not say no, but some, you know, some things are a hard no, but many things are not now. Yeah, I like that. Higher space, you know, yeah. and often I can say like, you know, you and I have finding time is so graceful and just so excited that we get together so quickly. Yeah. My next availability really is December right now. So right. I know that, I know what my schedule is going to be like. So if, if it was, if we met again in December, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but I yeah. think it's that place of, um, just honoring your commitments and being okay with that. It takes, yeah. it takes courage. It takes experience. It takes um, confidence. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things to really be able to have healthy boundaries. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And I love, I love the not now concepts yeah. because, you know, you're not saying no, it's not a hard no. It's like, look, I'm at capacity and yeah. I'm just asking for grace for my schedule, you know? And, and so that yeah. that's, that's really good. I like that a lot. 
So, so I want to pivot into the philanthropy. Mm -hmm. So all of your businesses, you've talked about being mission driven and really kind of wanting to give back. So how did that start? And, and how do you choose who you give back to? And what does that mean as part of your business? There's a lot of questions. All <laughs> how many questions can I answer? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Blah, 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 go. Okay. So what I heard was, and hopefully if I missed any, just, you know, grab me and pull yeah, it back yeah. in. But what I heard was how did it start? Mm -hmm. And then I heard, um, how do you choose. Yeah. And then there was something else, but I probably missed that one. What, How does that connect to your business? Perfect. Okay, great. So I'll see if I can encompass those and just mm -hmm. put it together. So I grew up um, in pretty rough standards by, you know, for Americans. And okay. I say that because my work is taking me all over the world. Now I've been blessed to work in Africa and South America and Asia. And, um, and what I recognize as a person who's been blessed to have the opportunity to travel and be out in the world in service is that yeah. what we have in the United States in the way of, I'll give you an example, like our hot water, our, our hot water heater has been out all week, but I live in Texas, it's 107 degrees, so really who cares? Because we're <laughs> so happy to take a cold shower anyway right now, yeah. we're jump in the pool, I mean, we're really <laughs> blessed. But I can tell you, it's interesting is like what we have in the way of access to free education, what we have in the access uh, to a roof of our head, to running water, to access to resources. Even someone who grows up in the United States with a tremendous amount of struggle financially, and I'm not talking pe about people that are uh, food insufficient or don't have a home, but most of us that grow up working class or what would be considered you know, lower to middle class, we really have an abundant life. Right. What was not easy in my childhood is that uh, I was sexually molested for seven years. I grew up in a family with a tremendous amount of violence, many different fathers. And um, I grew up feeling like I wasn't wanted and that, wow. uh, you know, my mother was very young when she had me and she kept saying, if I just hadn't had you, my whole life could have been so better, so much better. Wow. So, better, right? so I decided as a baby that that made me wrong. And if I could just be good enough. And this is an interesting thing, Angela, thinking about the pretty powerful podcast. Think about mm -hmm. women who are coming together and really supporting each other in our power. Many women that I meet, and a lot of men actually that are super successful as well, have this drive that comes from not enough. Yeah. This drive of like, man, if I could just do more or be more, that just happens because somebody said something to us as a baby and we just mm -hmm. didn't know any better, right? And we just thought, boy, if I could just, you know, think about it. What am I trying to prove with nine different companies? Why not just have a great company? You know, right, uh, right, right, uh, right. I always say I don't attract the type A's of the world. We are a community of triple A's. The super duper, <laughs> all the people that say things can't be done, it's like a it's like a magnet to us. We're like, get yeah. in there. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. us, right? So um when I went to law school, I was in law school, um, I was working as a as a uh, basically as a paralegal legal secretary during the day, going to law school at night. And uh, something came across my purview there that was CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates for Foster Children. And they just caught my eye. And again, I was very young, it was my early 20s. I just thought, man, wouldn't it be nice if I could tap into that organization and maybe start to give back? I'd already been on a lot of my own healing and recovery at that point. I've been through a lot of years of therapy um, at that point. And I thought, you know, let me see how I can tap in and try to help. So I became a CASA volunteer for five years. And then CASA, um, which works in, a, in basically in an intervention situation where you go in and work with foster families and with um, parents who are trying to reconcile with their families, uh, led me to one understanding of, of the for-benefit nonprofit world for children. I also became a mama during that time. And while I was in my childbirth classes, I asked the nurse, I said, 
this is great. You know, all these women around me are like, how do I deal with the pain? What am I going to do? And I'm like, we're in the hospital. Like, I'm pretty sure you guys have this part figured out. This thing is coming out of me. You know, it's my first baby. I didn't know there's a big thing going on. This is going to happen. I said, how do I be a parent? Yeah. I knew yeah, I didn't want yeah. to parent the way I've been parented. I knew I didn't want to beat my child. He hadn't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew there had to be a different way, but this is all before the internet, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have access to yeah. a voracious reader, but I didn't really know. And mm-hmm. so she said, we don't do those types of classes here at the hospital. Let me help you find someplace. And so she did. She helped me find an organization called Family Outreach. And the parents who were in there were court mandated or then, you know, kind of like a step away from having a termination with their families. And I asked, can I come and make a donation? And I made a donation of a couple hundred dollars at a time. They let me come into the class and take the class. And then I started teaching the classes. Then I started coordinating the parent education program, yada, yada, yada. So Fast forward 30 years building private sector businesses. I always was working in the nonprofit sector as well. That's what I did for fun on nights and weekends was really had this opportunity to grow and give and volunteer. And then that led as I led, as I started to grow in my leadership capacity and my understanding of organizations, I started being asked to be on boards of, you know, boards of directors and and advisory boards and things like that for nonprofits. So it started to, to grow. When I started being asked to speak and lead, to answer your question, um, 2009, 2010, I started receiving, receiving these invitations. I really, um, at first I said, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a speaker. No, I got nothing for you. Right. I, I, I'll, I'll, can I write you a check? <laughs> can I help? And how can I help? And um, what I kept, what I, what I did, Angela, is I went to prayer with it. And I wasn't as deeply connected to my faith then as I am now. But I went to prayer, I went to meditation, and I asked to be shown, like, what is happening here? Why do I keep receiving these invitations? And what, what's the deeper uh, calling behind this? And what I kept hearing was the invitations were around women. The invitations were global. It wasn't, can you come down to Phoenix? I lived in right. at the time. It was, can you come to China? Can you come to India? Wow. Um, and it was around philanthropy. And I didn't identify as a philanthropist. I didn't see myself mm. that way. I thought, well, who, you know, who am I to do this? And so I thought, how do I take my experience in the private sector? People are asking me, how do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. And how do I take what I know that's in my heart, which is that when we give, we grow, we are healed by helping others heal, right? That I knew that those two things could come together. And that's what's grown into the Limitless Women organization. And we set metrics. We said, okay, we can have business training fundraisers and raise, you know, our first goal was to raise $10,000. We raised mm. 35,000, right? And wow. then we thought if we could raise five, you know, over five years, we have the metrics, we're running companies, doing our thing, living life, raising babies. We could give away $250,000 over five years. That would mean we're on the right track. Well, we hit the five-year mark. We were over 500,000 at that point, probably closer to six. And I was like, oh, but this is interesting. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a very interesting model to me, obviously, because I think it works. Uh, I've watched it work. I've watched women who say, someday when I get there, I'm going to give, start bringing in giving as a part of their business model and just start to see themselves in a new capacity. You know, when we say, I don't have enough to give, we're just we're limiting ourselves, right? Yeah. When we give a little bit, because I'm going to tell you something, we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars at $10 a pop. $20 a pop, $50 a pop. And we, we didn't have a big check from uh, any organization like Gates Foundation. We've done a little bit at a time. Thousands of women have donated. And it's just that place of like together, we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And 
we start to see ourselves in expanded capacity, right? We thought, hmm, if I can do this with a little less and I can actually help someone else who doesn't have access to basic necessities like food, water, sanitation, sanitary mm -hmm. pads, you know, think about that. That's something that is a little bit of a mind blower if you grow up in the United States or Canada, the developed world, right? women in the world who don't have access to uh, sanitary pads, they drop out of school. They have no choice. Mm. You know? Wow. Yeah. 12 years old, 13 years old, they go and get married because that's what they can do. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's really powerful. I love that. Love, love, love that story. So, so I, I can totally, that resonates with me with, you know, foster care, because foster care is something that I've always been drawn to just because mm -hmm. there's so many amazing children in the system that um, really need our help. And, yeah. you know, as a child, you can't help yourself. And, you know, you're put into a situation where you've been removed from the only family, you know, and even if it's an abusive family, even if it's horrible, even if it's drug infested household, it's still all, you know, and yes. now you're forced to live with other people that you don't know and may not always be good to you. Right. Yeah, and so there's yeah. a lot of that too. When I was in college, um, I actually thought I would go into, um, forensic psychology and the FBI. Mm -hmm. And that was my path. Right. And uh, so I studied child psychology and I did my internship with the Department of Juvenile Justice. And cool. just looking in these ch children's eyes, this beautiful, innocent child who has just been put through hell. And, you know, now they're having to figure it out as a child, things that they should never have to figure out, you know, like you who, you know, have been in abusive situations. And, you know, all I can do is pray that they learn to use that fuel, that, that, that hurt for fuel for good. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if you can, and I see so many, so many powerful entrepreneurs and you were just talking about how, you know, it's, it's that type A where we're driven to get, you know, we, we get pulled together like magnets and, yes. and a lot of it is through pain, right? They, mm -hmm. That pain creates this fire in us that, you know, is unstoppable. Like we, we've already been through hell. You can't do anything to me is how we right. feel, right? Yeah. <laughs> you it's, can't it's hurt me. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And so I think our risk tolerance is higher. I think our our ability to fight through the the nasty, dirty parts of entrepreneurship when it hurts and it's painful and you want to quit, you already know, like, I'm not going to quit. I've, I, I've been through worse, right? And so I think that gives yeah. you that tenacity, that gives you that drive, that passion, that fire that is so hard for somebody who's never been through, you know, any hard times, you know, somebody who's been lived, you know, who's lived a very privileged life. They don't necessarily mm -hmm. have that tenacity, that grit that it's going to take sometimes to get yeah. through the hard stuff. And, you know, crawling through mud is sometimes what it takes in, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's interesting because we, we host an event every year called flow and uh, that's mm. coming up this fall. And it's, it's interesting for me because again, if I were to go back and rewind, I'm thinking, you know, you invite me to come, people invite me to come and speak on their platforms about this experience. Um, it doesn't have to be so hard. No, you know, there's not the valor. You've done some hard work already. And I do think um, Scott's my husband. He, he said to me one time, I was talking about a girlfriend who we would get together, we'd chat, she'd tell me about all our problems. And I'd be like, oh, you know, maybe you could do this. This is all before I was doing this leadership work. This is years ago. And then we talked six months later and it was exactly the same situation. Right. And I said, I just don't know why I'm having the same conversation with Sarah over and over again. And he said, you know, you are a queen bee. He said, you don't really see yourself that way. He said, but you're, if you think about a beehive, it's just a beautiful visual. If you think about a beehive, you've got one queen and you've got oodles of workers. 
And if you look at entrepreneurship, if you look at successful businesses that are run by women and even businesses that don't make it to the million dollar mark, because, you know, depending on whose stats you're playing with, you're somewhere between two and 4% mm -hmm. ever hit seven figures, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you could have a hundred thousand dollar business, a $200,000 business and be really successful and take care of yourself, take care of your family. Entrepreneurs on the whole tend to think differently. I'm with you. I believe that we are, we not only are risk tolerant, we actually enjoy the risk. We enjoy mm -hmm. that. It's a little bit exciting for us. Um, and the world needs worker bees. Yeah. You know, they may not be listening to this podcast, but the world needs worker bees. And if you're a leader who's here to build an organization, you're going to need people to do the things that are not in your zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And um, some are really meant to be followers. I think, you know, in our own experience, the best uh, the best team members that I've had that have stayed with me for five years or seven years or 10 years are when we cultivate leaders. When we yeah. lead other leaders and give them autonomy and encourage them, you know, action is one of our company's core values. Um, yeah, there's just no valor in struggling. You don't no. have to. You don't have to. There's yeah. actually real problems in the world. I was having an interview this week with another podcast that was asking me about, like the woman was asking me about makeup. And I said, you know, I don't know if you're rude. I, I appreciate this. It's like a big podcast. I didn't really appreciate that you invited me to come here. I said, but this is not, this is not a real problem. You know, right, whether right. or not yeah, you yeah. wear makeup on camera is not a real problem. I mean, there are people in the world over, you know, close to 3 billion people in the world that really struggle with sufficiency and yeah. struggle with food, access to food and water. Mm -hmm. I think that's a more, uh, you know, a more interesting topic, in my opinion. Um, how do we actually build profitable businesses so that we can help other people have access to resources who may not ever have that? It's literally why I do what I do today, Angela. I would not be doing this work if someone had not seen me, when I went to the law office with bruises on my face and I weighed 98 pounds because I was severely anorexic, I was living with a man who was beating me on a regular basis. That was normal to me. I yeah. grew up in an environment of being beaten. It was absolutely normal to go into a relationship of being beaten, right? And to not and to have so little self-esteem that I would forget to eat. Mm. You know, just people see me today who who could know that, right? There were women who saw me when I couldn't see myself yeah. who said, Come here, honey. Let me help you. Here's a book. Here's some counseling opportunities. Let's let's see about how you could create a different normal. That's what entrepreneurs have an opportunity to do. Take our superpowers, take our creative genius, take care of our sufficiency, take care of ourselves. Don't get hung up in the valor that somehow you're going to be a better person because you struggle. You know, no, you're, you've done that. Let it go. Instead, take this opportunity to really get beyond survival and the other and self-actualization. I'm saying this to you in, in your experience, right? And go to the place beyond self-actualization. You take Maslow's hierarchy of needs and put it in a pyramid. What happens above the pyramid? This is the space we live in. We mm -hmm. get to give, right? We become expanded because we have come through and we've become self-actualized. And now what? Right, and right. We get to be a part of a much bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. So do you feel, though, that, you know, through that the struggle um, and you were you're right, I mean, there's no there's no valor in struggle, but it creates character in you, such as empathy, such as, you know, the need to want to help, you know, that that need to not be able to sit back and watch something else happen that shouldn't be happening. Right. Like not yeah. you can't sit back and be a you, you're no longer a passenger in life. You're a driver. Right. Love so, that. so that is what that, you know, 
I, I understand your point about there being no valor and struggle, but there becomes a, there becomes a, a pivoting point where you say no more and I'm going to change things. And you became a, you become a change maker. Right. And so that's where yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get that, 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 that ability to push through the hard stuff like pandemic. Yeah my whole company shut down for five months yeah, during the pandemic, that. the entire yeah. thing. I mean, we, we right. were, we were down to zero revenue. We took a $350,000 loss in 48 hours. And I mean, that hurts, you know, a lot of, uh, trust me, a lot of me wanted to just suck my tail and run and say, I'm oh, done. I yeah. just want to, yes. I just want to be done. I just want to, yeah. I just want to be happy with what I've achieved so far and pivot to the next thing, but it just couldn't happen. Right. Like I, I've, I felt like I've, I've, brought myself through so much pain, I have to see it through the end. Right. And so it was either going to go down in flames or I was going <laughs> to, I was, I was going to yeah. win at the end. And so, so yeah, I mean that, that grit and that, that tenacity and, and just wanting to see yourself go beyond and, and reach your, your, you know, whatever that limit might be. And hopefully it's like, I love your, your, the name of your company, Limitless Women. That's amazing. So, I mean, we're, we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. Well, I think that, you know, I just thank you for sharing your journey. You know, thank you for using your voice as a vehicle mm -hmm. to inspire others. And I think that that's a little bit of what I would consider a growing pleasure instead of a growing pain, Angela. Yeah, yeah. The opportunity right. that, you know, you you had resources available to you. And I think yeah. that that's part of what I was saying to you Um you know, my faith has really deepened Yeah, probably since my husband, um, I was sitting in a hospital with my husband in 2017 and his, uh, surgeon said to me, he's dying. I can't, I can't oh. save him. And I am, you know, being an entrepreneur, <laughs> it wasn't really even a push. It was like a spark. I just said, you know, I really appreciate that you've done what you could do, but he's not dead yet. Yeah. And I'm in a hospital and what else you got? And yeah. he's like, well, he's not a candidate for this. He's not a candidate for that. I'm like, okay, well, who can help us? That's that's something I'll tell you as an entrepreneur um, is it is it I'm going to call it a ten million dollars distinction. Sometimes maybe it's more than that. Instead of how do I do this? Right. Who can help me? And yeah, I I found Angela when I when I reflect back on my life, even when I was sitting on the side of the road, you know, being beaten up and crying. And this is before cell phones, right? I found mm. my way to a payphone, and I found a place to go, even though I didn't have family to go to. There was some place for me to go, right? And there's there's so many stories in my own life, and I'm sure in yours as well, where you went to the edge, mm -hmm. and you had a three hundred fifty thousand dollar loss in forty eight hours, if I heard that correctly. Yeah. And you know you had three hundred fifty thousand to lose, so congratulations. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not hungry. You're not homeless. Mm -hmm. And you're capable and resourceful. And I think that's the part of um, kind of this deeper body of work of, of walking in faith is mm -hmm. that when we allow ourselves to be shown and we've been imbued with this incredible gift of creativity and tenacity and drive, how do we partner with that to yeah. have the journey be a little easier? Yeah. You know? yeah. How do, we, how do we partner with that to be a little easier? And uh, because I'm a faith-based person, I, I spend my mornings just in gratitude for all that is. Yeah. And I ask to be shown what would God have me do next? Yeah. And more importantly, I've learned over the last few years, how may I be obedient was a hard prayer for me to learn because I, I thought I had it all figured out. Right. Mm. And every time I've had it figured out, something shows up that lets me know that 
I'm not done yet, right? There's more for me to learn. More growing. Yeah, yeah. So gentle learning, flowing instead of struggling and being with what is. Often, uh, I don't know if you had this experience, but often when I'm trying to push and push and push to something, I'll use law school as an example. I'm applying, 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 really hard to get in. I finally got in. It's because I wasn't actually even meant to be practicing law. I would have a whole nother Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, purpose in my life, if you will. But sometimes we're pushing against the wall so hard we can't see. And if we just look to the right or the left, there's something there for us that we're not even seeing. Oh, gosh, you're such a beautiful soul. I just love, love everything that you're saying. You have so much great inspiration. Um, how's your husband doing now? You know, it's interesting. He's, uh, thank you for asking. It's really generous. He's, um, he's good. He's, he's having some other stuff going on right now. But, you know, it's been, we were told this is it. He might die tonight. He might die this weekend. And that was six years ago. So every day is a, every day is a blessing. And he told me yesterday that I was being really uh, not nice. And he used a different word. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I know you're in launch. I know you're coming back. I I had um, spinal fusion surgery last year. So Mm. I had, you know, again, an opportunity to go quiet, go into my cocoon, come out again. Um, And it's, and he took good care of me. And I think it's that place Mm. of like, Oh gosh, remember, just remember to be good to yourself, to be good to the people around you, to recognize the preciousness of the time that we have. Um, you know, I talk about this in my first book, Stop the Spinning, which we we give away for free, mm-hmm. um, as the wake-up calls, death, divorce, disease. You talked about COVID. To me, I feel like COVID was something where God was speaking to us as a species. Yes. And it probably had, you know, this is just my two cents, we'll see how it goes. But it probably had something to do with where we're moving into with AI. You yeah. know, there was said something in the pause that we had a chance to really decide what matters. Yeah. And um, you know, and we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see how wow. it plays out. But yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Let's, let's be good to ourselves in the, yeah. each other in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Be good to yourselves and be good to those around you because you just don't know every day is a blessing. Um, so who inspires you? Oh, um, thanks for asking. I am a huge fan of Joel Osteen. I listen yeah. to him all the time. Um, I so he helps me with like remembering, right? Remembering. There's so much in, in this around remembering. Um, I am deeply inspired by women who choose to work in the nonprofit arena as their calling. Mm-hmm. You know, the, again, do the things that other women think. You know, I always think like what we do from the philanthropic end of. Um, offering our time, our talents, our tithes, our dollars is very small compared to the people who are in the trenches. You need to think about foster parents that are actually raising children who come out of violent and dangerous situations in a safe way. Some are not, some are great, but you know, I'm just saying like, honestly, the people that actually do that work are the people that inspire me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So what is the biggest lesson you've learned as a successful entrepreneur? Hmm. Just one. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> my goodness. I'm like, I'm literally in the midst of writing two more books, right? Oh my I, gosh. I, I, I went from like, I'm not, I'm not an author. Why do you keep asking about my book? You know, and yeah, I've yeah. two, and then I've got two more that are coming right now. Um, what's been the biggest lesson? Uh, I think it comes back to to this, Angela. I when we were kids growing up, and I think about you in forensic psychology, yeah, and yeah. you and I sharing kind of a, a passion for criminal justice, my mind uh-huh. is criminal justice, and um, thinking about the, the justice in the world, right, and, and being liberators for others. Every human being is unique, and mm-hmm. we knew this, like Sherlock Holmes, we knew there was fingerprints, right, we knew that kind right. of stuff. 
We didn't know then as kids growing up, and I don't know, because like I said, I'm almost 60 now, but you're much younger than I am. But as a kid, we didn't know about things like um, retinas, mm-hmm. unique, right? We didn't know about DNA. You know, it's an interesting that my, my son is in medical school right now, but he's a geneticist. And I remember when he was in high school saying to him, you're going to have a different chemistry than I have because of the healing I experienced before you were born. And he's like, okay, mom, sounds good. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yet when he went to college and he was studying uh, genetics, they have this field called epigenetics. And it's interesting how our genes can heal, how our DNA, how our internal can heal as well as our external, the body's really made to heal. I believe our spirit can heal as well. Mm-hmm. I believe that, Every person, even people who are born into me, and so you're talking about people who uh, have privilege, Angela, everyone has a journey and everyone feels their struggle authentically. So when we recognize that the journey is something that is unfolding and, you know, we get the time is short. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do with the time? You know, I hang out in the arena of women specifically who are here to heal cycles. And so it's like a, it's like living in heaven on earth for me, right? To live in conversations like this, where it's it, you know, depending on whether I'm in the ether or the deep end of the ocean, there's like no place in between, right? We're sure. just not surface conversations aren't happening. So um, I would say the most important thing I've learned is that we're all very unique, and that each one of us plays a part in a tapestry that we can't often see. I feel like that's the partnership with the divine is to allow ourselves to be led to not struggle when things are coming through for us, but to recognize that we may not understand kind of in that not now idea. We may not understand why something's happening right now, but if we continue to move in faith, if we continue to be kind, if we continue to be gentle, the process unfolds for us. And, um, you know, in my experience, it just keeps getting better and better. Wow. You are so inspiring. I am just loving this conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, but I, you know, I have one more question and I just sure. know that you're going to crush this question too, because <laughs> just, you have just inspired me so much oh, and I've just learned so much so and I have you. so much respect for what you're doing. Well, let's continue the conversation. I mean, I, I got to bounce <laughs> off and teach a class today, but let's you and I stay friends. And where do you live? I didn't even ask. Uh, Atlanta, just... Atlanta. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm in Texas. We're not that far. And yeah. I'll be in Dallas in a couple of weeks. Actually. Oh, good. Let's, let's for sure. We'll connect. Got my, you've got my number, text <laughs> yes. me and let's figure that out. I would love to see you and spend some time together absolutely so one thing i want to know from you is what do you wish more people knew Hmm. what do i wish more people knew that's such a good question i wish that more people knew um, that in order to not feel lonely in order to not feel uh the struggle that in order to not feel the not enough Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's the drive when you're on fire and you're passionate, and you're excited about something. It's a very mm-hmm. different drive than I've got to prove something. And that I said, you know, that's a that's a thing I can say to you now at 57. I definitely didn't know at 27, right? Yeah. So it's that it's that grace of the peacefulness. We are multifaceted beings, so we're not simply tactics and strategies. I can teach people systems all day long, every day, but yeah. if they don't have a leadership component, they're going to be missing out, right? If their mindset isn't evolving as their systems are evolving, their organization doesn't grow, right? So systems are great. We know in our world that um, we only partner with women who are spiritually connected. And I believe that all traditions and all walks of faith are our human 
curiosity about the mystical. It's it's what is the divine. I wow. know that, um, you know, I know my path as a Christian, and I also know that some of the most beautiful souls, some of the most generous, impressive humans I've ever met have a different tradition. You yeah. Know, whether that yeah. may be that they're in the Amazon rainforest and they have their connection to the divine as nature, or they're um, in Asia and they're really following a Buddhist path. I, I think that there are many paths to our spiritual selves. Yeah. And I think that every woman who feels a little lonely or a little scared at times or a little anxious could do some good for herself to take some time to breathe into finding a spiritual opening that feels safe for her, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, that that's, that's really where a lot of the peace that I experienced today in my mature years comes from. And I know that if I'd allowed myself to receive that support and been a little more aligned with my spiritual self as a younger woman, my journey would have been even more graceful than it has been. Yeah, I, I that resonates because I, I feel the same way. There are so many times when I was younger that I felt like I had the world on my shoulders, right? Yeah. Like you're carrying it. And then when I finally started connecting spiritually, I started realizing I'm not carrying this, right? Yeah, like this is long. not my burden to bear. Yeah. Uh, there's something bigger than me. There's a bigger purpose than me. There's a bigger, yeah. you know, when you start believing in something outside of you that is bigger and you know that the things that you're going through are just growth. It's just lessons. It's just growth, you know? And so all you have to do is just keep going, you know, that the path will unfold before you. So yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a big thing to walk in faith. <laughs> it it's really, really hard sometimes, yeah, though, it really is. but it, okay. it takes a that. lot. And that's why it's yeah. called faith, right? Like you, exactly. you have to lay it up. You have to lay it down and just say, yes. you know, I, I believe that somebody has my, my greater, my greater good in mind. And I don't know what that is, but I'm just going to yeah. believe that it's there. I think again, if we're alive and breathing, God's not done with us yet. You know yep. what I mean? This is really the place I have story after story after story. Like you have story after story after story where you're mm -hmm. like, okay, other people were like, how'd you, how'd you get through that and come through, you know, you did and you're here. So uh, how do we just enjoy this day? Yes. Well, I will be praying for your husband Thank and you. uh, wishing you all the best in everything that Thank you're doing, you. because you are just living such an abundant life in, in what you're giving to everyone else. So congratulations on your success. Congratulations on the influence and the impact that you're having in, in the world. And I'm so, so, so appreciative and respectful of that. So thank yeah. you. Can't wait to have you in person when I get yeah. to see you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Laura. So how can people find you? Oh, good question. So uh, I'm pretty easy to find online. And you okay. look up li limitlesswomen.com. It'll take you to our site. Um, we have oodles of free gifts, right? We have the Limitless yeah. Women podcast. We have uh, we give out free gifts on Fridays. So someone can go to freegiftfriday.com and, uh, and opt in there and get free gifts from us. And again, if you don't like them, opt out. It's easy peasy. Yeah. Um, but my book, uh, if, you, if you opt in there, you'll get a, a copy of Stop the Spinning, Move from Surviving to Thriving. And that lays out some of kind of the groundwork, some of the practices around time and revenue and walking in faith and some of the things we've talked about today uh, that I've learned in my journey that I hope it will be helpful for others. Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and for the gifts that you are, that you have already given us. So um, I know that this has been really, really impactful for me. So, and I know for our listeners too. So thank you so much for your time. Again, Laura Gisburn can be found on prettypowerfulpodcast.com and also through her own website. And um, please do check her out and follow her, get her book. So um, again, Laura, thank you so much. You've been an amazing inspiration and Thanks, I wish you Godspeed and everything that you're doing. Thanks. Sweetie.
All right, everybody, uh, please check us out for another episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.